Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. If there was ever a moment to appreciate the name of this podcast and the the goal and mission of this podcast to say all of the things other people wouldn't say in mixed company. Today is it. Sim, how are it you? It sure is. Uh, I'm good. I'm on set, um, but I'm taking a break to do this because it's important. I appreciate you working within the work. That's that's what we do here. Um, and in, in, in the spirit of working within the work, uh, I'm not sure who was on social medias this past weekend or who has been looking at uh, all of the publications, but we have joining us today some folks that I know many of you want to hear from. Um, as you all know, uh, early last week, there has been announcement that AdColor uh, has announced that Droga5 is the agency of record for uh, their work moving forward. And with that, many of you uh, shared your excitement and your celebration. And also with that, many of you have also shared your critiques um, and your suggestions, no matter how intense or uh, aggressive or assertive they may have been. Basically at this point, everybody has a damn opinion. Um, and because this is the show where we're here to, to discuss opinions and also to have conversations as a community, Simeon and I have joining us today, the AdColor founder and president, Tiffany R. Warren, as well as the AdColor chairman, Mark Strachan, and also Droga5's global head of diversity and inclusion, Tiffany Edwards. Literally, we have all the folks that we need at the table today to have an honest conversation, not just about the decision to partner together between AdColor and Droga5, but also to actually talk a little bit more about AdColor and lift some of the veil um, of 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 uh, elusiveness that many people feel. So, Mark, Tiff, Tiff, welcome to the show. We're really, really happy to have you guys. Yep, well, welcome and welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. So, I just want to start by saying, I'm sure that some of the the responses that you all have received have been a surprise. So before we even get into a lot of the commentary that kicked off at the end of last week, I want to get a sense from both Tiffany's and also you, Mark. Um, how did you guys feel about the partnership uh, between AdColor and Droga5 before it was released to the public? Um, and also give me a sense of how you guys figured that the communi community might have responded. What did you think everyone was going to say? Uh, let's kick off with... TRW. Love to, I'd love to start. With you. Say, how I are we going to distinguish? I would love to start with you. Um, thank you, Kai. Thank you, Simeon, for you know offering this this platform. Um, I'm I'm just. It feels really special to be here, particularly because uh, what we have to say and what I have to say, you know, is our truth. And so, first and foremost, but before I even talk about how I felt about the partnership, I want to apologize to the community that was hurt by the decision um, that we made, uh, you know, because our intent, our intent always has been uh, to amplify. It is now, it will be in the future, nothing has changed. Uh, so I want to create space uh, to issue uh, an apology. Uh, to get to the question of how we felt uh, when we 
thought about the partnership. I think ad color strategy has long been to bring into the fold, to call in partners, not just uh, vendors, preferred vendors of color, but certainly agencies that for the most part are a way through to success for most people. And what we found from the beginning of time with bad color is that our audience was in most part kind of broken up in a couple of different parts. A lot of our supporters came from uh, general market agencies where they were one of two, one of none. And so our community grew from that group. The other part were the legends, the giants, those that we stand on their shoulders. Um, you know, the Tom Burrells, the Joe Lambs, the Byron Lewis, um, the Tony DS days, uh, those individuals that took it upon themselves to create a space uh, for multicultural talent. So we had two very key audiences. And, and what we heard in the beginning um, of our existence was, you know, best of luck in trying to please everyone. <laughs> and so I always kept that in the back of my mind. Um, but more importantly, what I found was that the way through to our end game, which is to create e you know equality of opportunity and visibility in the industry, was that we had to bring everybody under the tent. And so from the beginning of time, we had these key partnerships like most not-for-profits do with agencies that had those individuals on their various teams um, that felt like you know they were a bit isolated. So they poured into us. They would reach out to us and say, you know, we can take on the role of uh, supporting you creatively. Um, so, you know, we think about some of our early producers that have gone on to do, you know, I think in particular, one of our first shoots was, was with McCann um, and the commercials are on our website. They're public, not on our website, excuse me, on our YouTube channel, they're publicly available. Uh, but we shot commercials, which was so different. What award show, what, um, you know, platform was shooting commercials to attract people to nominate. And the team was 90% diverse that was on that commercial. We had Benny Boom as the director. We had a black producer. We had um, a black project manager, copywriter. We had an Asian art director. You know, it was kind of a Shangri-La. So we thought we were onto something. Um, and so that has continued through our, through our history. Um, and so, you know, these kinds of partnerships are not new, not necessarily for ad color, but in general, when you think about key partnerships that have amplified platforms, you think about JWT and Black Lives Matter, Widening Kennedy and Ghetto Film School, um, Tuskegee Airmen and TBWA. Um, you know, these are agencies that are offering their considerable creative resources to grow and amplify the platform. Our intent was not to hurt the community in which we have has trust in us and that we represent. The intent was to increase our platform so that we can increase the visibility and the opportunities for um, professionals of color throughout the industry. So that's, that is how I felt about the opportunity from get-go. Which makes total sense. Tiffany Edwards, what about you, especially coming from the Droga side? What were, what were your expectations and how were you feeling about this partnership before the, the announcement? Absolutely. And I want to start by echoing my fellow Tiff and thanking you and Simeon for the platform to just, you know, share our side of the conversation, share our intent and our goal in this partnership, um, you know, and hopefully just kind of help people understand how we came together. Um, so for me, you know, I've been a member and a part of Ad Color for over 10 years now um, and so excited by, you know, what it did for my career personally and, and the platform that it provided for people of color across the industry. Um, and so when I joined Droga 5 in 2016, one of the first things I did was introduce Droga 5 to Ad Color. 
Um, and that led to now what has been a nice and deep five-year partnership and relationship uh, between Droga5 and AdColor that has included everything from our CCO being on the board um, to, you know, some of our fellow Drogans being on the advisory board, being nominated for awards. Um, and also, you know, us being able to be lucky to count some of the AdColor's alum as now members of Droga5, either past, current, or present. Um, and so, you know, combine that with the journey that Droga5 has been on over the past five years on diversity work in general, on diversifying our ranks, on making sure that our, our workflow and processes have been inclusive, this moment felt like a really exciting and right moment for us to step into this, this work with AdColor um, to come on as a pro bono agency of record. To Tiffany's point, you know, we did this from the mindset of not just doing diversity work internally, but also taking action and supporting the community. Um, you know, AdColor is not the first and hopefully not the last, you know, diverse own diverse run nonprofit that we've supported as an organization. And we really walked into this excited, you know, to do our part as a general market agency um, to help further the work and the conversation that um, AdColor has so powerfully led across the industry for the past 15 years. And so for us walking into this one, it felt like the right moment in time for us as an agency. The Droga 5 of today, you know, has the diverse talent in the room. It has the ability um, to tell stories in a way that we probably would not have told them five, six years ago. I'll be honest about that. And we're very excited about that growth. And again, you you know, as we deepen our partnership and continue to partner with AdColor, we really look forward to the opportunity to be able to put our resources um, behind supporting AdColor and doing work for them. And so that's kind of how we walked into this. And so, you know, our intent sharing it out with the community was just, you know, the excitement, you know, of, again, this partnership coming to fruition. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there have been a lot of learning since that announcement. And, you know, it's it's heartening for me to hear the feedback from the community. I'll never come in here and say anyone's right or wrong and how they feel, but our intent was always positive in coming forward with this partnership. How about you, Mark? Um, thank you, Simeon. And um, wow, I'm going to come at it from a little different point of view because I think the, the two tips have echoed it, but I'll come at it from an organizational uh, standpoint and, and sitting in a chair that uh, has been very unique and, and a chair of pride and um, wonderful self-worth for me as an individual, as an African-American man who is, for the most part of his early career, in some cases, been the only one. I was one of those guys that was the only one in those rooms way back when, when there was no ad color. Um, and um, some of those, those lonely moments of when uh, I remember how I wish there was an ad color. I've also, um, as a chairman of AdColor, have a role uh, to maintain with my fellow board members that this organization sustains and evolve. And so sustainability is critically important. Um, I have seen too many of the previous sets like the SIBA Awards and things like that go by the wayside. Great intent, fabulous organizations that no longer are here today. Matter of fact, many people don't even know about them um, because they couldn't sustain. And the reality of it is that sustainability comes at a price. It comes with a price. And so, um, you know, my what I thought was coming out of it was another huge step forward, another huge step forward, a very important and sustainable step forward for the organization um, in, a, in a major way. And when you talk about how we have transitioned in the utilization of organizations, um, having been there from the beginning for the not even 15 years, 17 years, because it was two years in the planning stage that Tiffany was really trying to get this done. Um, I remember when, you know, a lunchbox was a good thing. You know, we, we, could, we, we were happy to be able to afford that. And so now we have this outstanding platform that we want to continue and allow it to sustain, to be a voice for the industry and, and a boatload of industries and diverse people across those industries. And so that comes with a price tag. 
And so the reality of it is, is that a million, a million five in pro bono, again, pro bono, non-billable time is huge. And the fact that we have partners willing to step up to do that, not in exclusivity of others, I thought was a huge step forward and, a, and just a continuation of what we were doing. Clearly, we need to tell our story better. And, and that's why we're here today. But uh, that's what I was looking to get out of it. That's what I saw as a huge positive step forward. Cool. So I feel like Mark kind of hit on kind of head on this a little bit, uh, but I kind of want to pose the question to Tiffany too. Like what's the, what was the motivation behind establishing this partnership with Droga Agency? Um, I mean, you could have gone to any agency in the world, but like why, why them? And more specifically, why? Cause Mark, you hit on the sustainability piece, which I, yeah. I think is important to discuss. Um, how, do, how does the partnership with Droga tie to that sustainability? So you can both answer starting with Tiffany and then back to Mark. Agreed. So thank you, Simeon, for the ability to have that clarification. So, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier in my, my earlier comment, um, you know, sustainability is important, but one of the key things was that we had established relationships with Droga5 as we do with many uh, partners. We've had um, agency partners like Droga since the beginning of Ad Color, and we were, we've been very strategic. So if you ask, again, why, the why is that the way through to the, the, the end game, which is to have allyship and to have everyone at the table, sometimes the way through is through these agencies. So we can certainly have panels, we can have conversations and we can have awards or we can get to work. And so part of when, when uh, companies partner with us, whether it's a Droga5 or a Facebook um, or the companies that are coming on board now is because sometimes when they come to us, they're not necessarily you know, they're working, they're a work in progress. And what I always make sure to let them know is that when you partner with us, now there's an accountability factor. And I'm very clear about that. And I'm very close to what the teams look like. And I'm very close to, you know, how the, the internal, um, you know, motivation is to actually partner with us. Because often part of our critics is that we are some uh, shell company for uh, accountability and we're not. Um, we are, um, first and foremost, we are um, really in place to be an accountability partner. I don't, I don't know any other way to say it. And I think that, you know, the fact that the organization is taking that on, when you have consultants and you have all these different, you know, obviously it's very popular now. We've been doing it for 15 years. Um, and so a lot of the strides that you see in the industry if you, if you track the DNA, it goes back to some of these partnerships. It goes back to, we were the first organization to even talk about allyship. Now it's like a common you know, phrase. We were the first organization to bring DEI to the main stage. I remember very distinctly, like it was yesterday when I would beg to be on the main stage of main conferences and we were put in breakout rooms and we were put on beaches instead of the main stage. And so part of that is to grow the platform so that when you ask again, can we be part of the conversation? There's no question. You actually get invited to be part of the conversation. That's where we're at as a platform, which is exciting. And what I, what I, you know, what I enjoy to some extent is sitting back and now seeing other organizations come to the table to us, meeting us, where we had to, when we started Ad Color, meet them halfway. It was, it was this thing of like we were trying to be like, okay, insert awards or insert conference here. 
And we decided to flip it and we decided to kind of stay in our own lane. And now everyone's meeting us, if you notice. So, you know, for us, having a partner like Droga5 and like all of our um, preferred vendors, our diverse suppliers, it's a beautiful ecosystem. To be honest with you, I may be, you know, a bit Pollyanna, but it's like, I'd love to create an ecosystem that we can model about what we'd like to see how, you know, what we would want to see companies do to work together. And I'm taking that on, but it's important because if you model the behavior you want, eventually people will um, will see it and follow it. So I think for me, I may have a big kind of idea about what the partnerships mean, but I've seen the transformation that happens when we partner um, with agencies and when we partner um, with organizations to move forward towards that, you know, and I often say the finish line of equity, hopefully. Would you say would you say that the these partnerships start with ad color approaching the agencies or the agencies approaching ad color? Many of the times it's it's uh the agencies approaching us. You know, I think when I look at my not-for-profit partners, particularly in this year when part of the strategy for a lot of companies, and, and you know, there's been articles written about it, is to not only provide financial support, but also provide considerable pro bono support. Um, to ask us to put that aside and then put the weight on ad color as an organization um, where we want to put the dollars in the hands of diverse suppliers is a tough thing to ask us. I'd rather our dollars go to diverse suppliers, like hands down from the beginning. Um, when ad color started, we only had three partners. Two out of the three were diverse suppliers. And out of the two, we one of them, we were their first client. <laughs> we, we took a chance and we continue to do that because we know that if they have that opportunity to partner with us, they can take that and do other things. And so we understand, um, you know, first and foremost, that I'd rather have my dollars go to um, our diverse vendors. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm real clear with that when people approach us from a pro bono standpoint. standpoint. 100%. And Mark, so going back to the sustainability piece, because you started speaking very producer to me, and I like that. You started speaking very operations and very um, in the weeds. And oftentimes, I don't think when we do have conversations about inclusion, I don't think that there are enough of us that think about the logistics and the how to operationalize these engagements and partnerships. And so you were speaking to sustainability and how sustainable. Can I interrupt, Kai, and say how to operationalize a movement? How to even even more so how to operationalize a move a movement because we'll even get conversation side conversation about like let's say Black Lives Matter which is a movement but even within that movement is more of philosophy is more philosophized than it is operationalized uh, um, nationally so when Mark when you speak about sustain sustaining ad color and sustaining the movement and operationalizing a pro bono partnership. What do you think is important for people to consider why um, sustainability is key to managing these kinds of partnerships? Um, we're running Excellent. a business. I mean, let's let's get to the to the real core of sustainability or we are running a business and too many businesses fail, usually within their first five years because their organizational house is not structured, their infrastructure is not structured, and they don't have solid financial footing in order to move forward. In our business, okay, there is no multicultural rate. When we go knock on the door of the LA Coliseum or we knock on the door of Hilton Hotels, et cetera, there is no multicultural rate. There's no ad color rate. You want to utilize our facility, this is what it costs. American Airlines, you want to fly, this is what it costs. 
car rentals, food, beverage, and so on and so forth. Uh, hackathon, we, we bring all these students in, we have to pay for them. So there's a, there's a need needless to say to operationalize it from a financial standpoint. And that takes not only time, but money year in, year out. We were on a shoestring budget for 10 years before right. we could see the black, okay? With people literally borrowing from Peter to pay Paul and hoping that we could sustain and to, to get a curtain up. What we have now is an outstanding board that has also been extremely, not just a board of directors, but a board of advisors who see the long game, who see why this is important for the next hundred years, particularly when there's not a whole lot of other games in there about us, not just us as people of color, but diverse people across the board in an industry that has shown its colors that doesn't always invite us to the table. So we created our own table. All right. And it's a beautiful place setting. And we and we put a plate down for everybody. And so that mm -hmm. sustainability is so critically important that it must go forward as a brand. So like I said, and, and you know, the other thing, Kyle, that I think is really, really important. And, and, and Simeon, there's no pay to play here. Ad color does not allow a pay to play. There are a lot of people I can I'm not going to name the names of the organizations we have turned away. They have come to us and say, I will give you X amount of dollars, but my CEO or my CMO, or we must do this. And this one's got to be on set. And we said, that's not, uh -uh, that's not how we roll. All right. But it's been about do the right thing for the people at large. Have we made mistakes? Yes, but we've been in this game for 15 years. Mm -hmm. I'd like to, I'd like to, when they throw some dirt on me, at the end of the day to know that I was a part of something that's been around for hopefully a hundred years. And that's the beauty of sustainability. Cause when you go back, even our friends who run these small organizations, these, you know, people are worried about making payroll week to week, month to month. Right. Right. That's about sustainability. It comes with focus, planning, infrastructure, talent, and the ability to learn, grow, and expand. And all that comes with a price tag. My role, my role have been there again as an African-American man in this business is not to allow this to go away. It is to defend to the end. And big part of that is how do we take those dollars that we get from those big time sponsors, those big name participants and drill them back into not only this organization, but as Tiffany says, the community at large. Look at look at where we spend our money. Mm -hmm. Look at where look at the checks that we write. Okay, and yeah. Tiffany can tell you a large portion of that is to small, independent people of color, women organizations, veterans organizations, LBGTQ organizations, etc. So I will take Droga Five, big nonprofit, a big mm -hmm. pro bono work. At a, at a million plus and let them eat that cost to drive this organization forward. And that's what I, that, that's what I really wanted to get to. Cause I don't, everyone doesn't understand the mechanics of resourcing and having talent on hand and what it costs to use that talent. And I think while I can hundred percent appreciate a conversation around utilizing vendors and where do we want recognition to go and where do we want um, our dollars to go. And obviously we want that to go with diverse communities what I what I what I've been challenged with is the notion that we would want 
our multicultural agencies and our black owned agencies to eat that cost instead of trying to figure out a way that we can actually give them dollars to work with to build their revenue as opposed to putting them in a deficit. And I know everybody doesn't look like that because everybody look at it like that because they don't come from a pr production or project management background. But in me, in my head, the first thing I'm, I'm thinking is, well, who's going to pay for that? So I'm glad that somebody brought up the, the operationalizing. Kai, Kai, I, I started two agencies. Mm. All right. I know the cost. I know the operational. And, and this is before when the big you know, organizations would want to partner with you and take a piece of you so you could have their overhead and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. with one. I have lost sleep on making payroll. Okay. Been, so yeah, the, the, the reality of it is, is that we do need to make sure that we are utilizing all of the resources at our disposal. A hundred percent and effectively. Tiffany Edwards, I want to bring you back into the conversation here because a lot of the a lot of the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, uh, and LinkedIn um, was about you know not giving business to Black agencies. But in my head, I'm wondering, well, what is the how does this partnership impact the employees of color at Droga? Um, because even notably, you know, I felt like your name was missing from a lot of these conversations. I think Tiffany R. Warren took a lot of the brunt of the conversation, but, and, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that as, you know, are people aware that you are the global head of inclusion, the global head of inclusion at Droga5, and that obviously we would assume that you have involvement in this. And so I'd like to get a sense if you can kind of pull back the curtain at all. What is the impact on the employees of color at Droga? How does this partnership lean into the values and the and the um, uh, goals that you you've set for Droga as an inclusion leader? Um, and what do people need to know that they're completely missing about this partnership? Thank you so much for asking that, Kai. You know, in the, these past few days, I think have been moments of lessons and learning for all of us, and especially for me. Um, you know, what this really has flagged to me is that I've done a really poor job over the past few years of talking about what we're doing at Droga and the work that we've been, we've been, you know, really pushing on for diversity, the journey that we've taken. You know, and that's partially, you know, due to me having a personal preference to really be head down, almost buried in the work and, and not talk about something that's not complete. Um, but, you know, as I've been taught, along this journey, diversity work is never complete. It's always an ongoing journey. And I'm actually, you know, potentially doing a disservice to the organization and people who are interested in the organization if they don't actually understand the, the commitment that we've, we've made to diversity work. Um, so, you know, I'll start with, you know, kind of your question about what people need to know about Droga5. Over the past five years, we've been on a deep DNI journey, um, you know, that really started with us educating ourselves as an agency, making sure that this was a top-down effort, um, doing a deep dive on race work and, and, you know, really making sure that all the things to impact people of color in our agency and in our industry were looked at and addressed in a real way. Um, you know, we also made sure that we were looking at our ways of working um, and making sure that we were working what we now call people of color forward, which is, you know, saying it's great to have diversity in the building, but is their voice centered? Is their value actually in their perspective actually considered additive to the work? And, and if so, then what does that show up as? Um, and then, of course, our demographics have sh shifted, um, you know, as we continue to aim towards our goal of matching the general population in our makeup. Um, you know, and we're happy to say that today Droga 5 is 40% diverse, but we are in no way done. We are in no way perfect. Um, we know we have a lot more work to do and we're going 
and continue to push forward on those goals. And so, you know, all of that really made us feel like we were ready, um, you know, along with our ongoing partnership with Droga, with AdColor to step into taking on this partnership this year. Um, and that was really our, our whole aim and mission, you know, is putting action to our work and to our words. Yes, we are committed to diversity. Yes, we are doing the internal work, but we also want to do external work to support the community. Um, you know, and that's shown up in different ways over the past couple of years. Ad Color is actually not the first, um, you know, diversity community or or company that we're supporting um, with pro bono work. And hopefully it will not be our last. And so, you know, for me, this is really about showing up and giving back in, in any ways we can as an organization. And that's what we've been doing at Droga 5. As far as our people of color, you know, especially I would say, first of all, that, you know, to make it clear, not every person of color in Droga 5 is working on this brief. But at the same time, we have made sure that there is a diverse slate of talent working on this brief. Um, the team working on the ad color brief is more than 70% diverse. And, you know, the really cool thing has been able to see is we've gotten to watch them pitch their campaign ideas to ad color they were able to bring their whole selves into this brief and they were able to bring their personal perspectives into this brief and they were able to connect with ad color's mission in a very unique way as people of color who have navigated you know this industry that is majority white for their entire careers the mission of ad color really resonated with them in a real way and so you know a big part of this for me has been making sure that that team knows how much we value their work and how seen they are and what they're doing, um, you know despite kind of the rumblings that are happening in the industry um, you know one question it raised for me was, you know, do the voices of this amazing talent that we have on this team and in the agency who are people of color, do their voices matter less because they're in a general market agency instead of a, a minority owned agency? And, you know, I would like to argue, no, just seeing the passion and the, and the talent that they bring to their work every day. Um, you know, but that's kind of where my, my mind centered when all of this came up is how do we really um, center these people and, and continue to let them know how much we, we really value their voices as they, as they work on this campaign. And so that's, you know, kind of the piece I would say in general about, you know, what people need to know about Droga 5 and how we entered into this relationship with ad color and what it means to our people of color. It's, it's an exciting opportunity. It's an ability to continue this journey and continue our work and, and we'll keep pushing forward in this direction um, as long as we can. I hear that. So, so I have a quick question. Tiffany Edwards, you mentioned that there was a, that the, that the team worked on a pitch. So just for clarity and to make sure that we're all speaking um, on the, along the same lines, can, can any of you clarify whether or not there was an RFP for this work? Um, and if that led to how the, the partnership um, between Droga and AdColor came about? Um, I'll, I'll take that one, uh, Kai, and, and, and thank you for uh, providing that that moment of clarity. Um, no, the the let's let's be brutally honest. There was not an RFP issued, um, and we did not hold a formal pitch um, and have a formal type of award of of the business, as is a misconception out there. And I think that that narrative needs to be clarified. Um, the relationship with, with Droga 5, as Tiffany um, explained, and as both Tiffany's articulated, came out of a number of years of us building a relationship, working together. And we have a uh, chief operating officer of Droga 5, Susie Nam, who's a member of our board. And, um, and it just became a natural transition that there would be an opportunity 
uh, on their part that they would like to participate and assist us in this area if and when we transition from our previous agency that was working with us accordingly. And, and that's really the root of it. So I think when, when Tiffany mentions a pitch, I think she just mentions a, how they got together, how they kind of brought their ideas together, put their teams together, uh, kind of just to articulate that to Tiffany uh, or Warren in a relationship of how they would move forward. Uh, but there was no formal pitch. There was no RFP. We did not, uh, you know, bring people together and, and and purposely or indirectly leave black agencies of color or uh, agencies that are led by people of color out of, you know, the loop on a pitch. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that because I think that lots of people believe that's the true case and that that really is not true. Okay, that's that's good clarification because I know that was definitely something that came up in quite a few comments. And Tiffany, you you've actually mentioned that the concept of of earlier this concept of ad color being there for those that have been the only ones in the room, um, and this is this is going off uh, off script uh, of the questions. But I I wonder for the both of you or for everyone, do you feel that there could be room moving forward to also consider what partnerships with multicultural agencies look like? Absolutely. Me and Mark talked about this. And so we think about, let's think about the history of ad color and then also, you know, what competitive, if I don't want to even use that word, but what set we're in um, set. Um, there are, there are conferences and organizations that are specific to supporting multicultural marketing agencies, even um, specifically the Hispanic voice. Um, and those are kind of in our set. And so what we were very clear about when we started was not to look so much at multicultural marketing. I'm being very clear um, because at that time when we launched, there were audiences and stages, at least in part, conferences, um, you know, organizations, networks for multicultural marketing agencies. But what was missing was a concerted network just for professionals of color that worked across the board, whether you were multicultural marketing agency or general market. And those terms I'm still just crazed about because they're so divisive. Like the minute I say them, I get, you know, this actual feeling in my bones. I'm like, I'm just, I feel like I'm being divisive even talking about that. And so, you know, maybe a um, industry brief is like, how do we talk about, you know, the different types of agencies without using divisive language that feels a bit um, archaic because we are progressive and we have innovated past that. So with that being said, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the energy that we started in is there were not there was not a voice for professionals behind the work. Um, the work was celebrated constantly, and that's important because we're a creative industry. But I remember very specifically going to um, award shows or conferences and never knowing who was behind the work. And, and that's okay. I think, you know, again, iron sharpens iron. You're talking to the choir. You're multicultural marketing agencies that sees another multicultural agency's work, and you, you want to do better. But there was a key voice missing, and those were individuals that were working in um, agencies that were were isolated, that were put upon in terms of very early on um, when we were in the infancy of DEI in the industry, given the responsibility to speak for everybody um, of difference within their companies, and they did not have a place to kind of just be. And the thought process of what we created with ad color in terms of the network is that when you step into that environment, you're actually the majority. It's a special feeling. Multicultural marketing agencies feel that all the time. We don't necessarily get that feeling when we're in the general market agencies, but that's changing. 
And it's changing because of the way that the Drogify team looks when we meet on Zoom and there's nothing but smiles. And there's this energy that feeds into like a possibility of this is how it should be done. You know, we can't leave every, we have to bring everyone with us. We can't leave someone behind because they work for a general market agency. And what's so interesting is that a lot of the feedback comes for those individuals who are in multicultural, uh, excuse me, who are in general market agencies at very high positions um, who are challenging us. And we accept that feedback, but understand that no matter what you say, this network is for you too. And it's also for multicultural um, marketing agencies. We've never divided. We've never said we're for this or that. We've all kind of brought everybody under the same tent. So, you know, I just wanted to state that, um, you know, I guess for some record. I mean, I think back on it. Sure. I'm sorry, Simi. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, very clear, very early on in, in, in our existence, um, there was a perception that we were only for African. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And ad color was only for black people, period. Black people, not anybody else, black people, no matter where you worked, et cetera. If you worked in advertising, forget media, tech, what have you, brand management, if you want, this is where you went. Uh, Tiffany and I took a very, very forward step. And again, we were off and running. She was off and running, doing things. We hadn't thought about that. But when that became kind of like clear to us, we took a huge step and we invited the leadership of the Hispanic side of the coin we invited the leadership of the Asian side of the coin, Mr. Joe Lamb, founder of L3 Advertising, Mr. Tony Dieste, who ran one of the biggest Hispanic agencies at the time, was chairman of AHA. And we brought them to the table at our expense and said, hey guys, help us through this. This is not our intent. Clearly we've made a misstep. Help us through this. What you have now is the evolution of that and them seeing the light and bringing forward of probably one of the most diverse conferences of, of a diaspora of people of colors, backgrounds, cultures, genders, abilities, lifestyle, et cetera. But we recognize, so yes, we are prepared to evolve. We are prepared to continue to learn. Um, and some of this discussion today is coming out of learnings. And as we continue to learn, we're gonna look forward to opportunities to maybe, to your point, Kai, find ways strategically to better not only include, but also provide a platform for. Absolutely. Uh, uh, whether it's just black agencies, uh, smaller, mid-sized agencies, et cetera, to come to the party in ways, shape or form that provide them with better exposure and so on and so forth. But we, we, we recognize these challenges. Yep. And like I said, if we didn't have that conversation with Tony Dieste and Joe Lamb, who in their <laughs> rightful in their rightful perspectives were the ambassadors and the key holders to those two areas, we wouldn't be as we wouldn't be as where we are today as quickly as we got to. So thank you, Simeon. I'm sorry I took that moment. No, no, it's it's all good. I think it's a good transition because you talk about learnings and um part of those learnings came from critiques. And when it comes to ad color, I think there are a lot of people who have expectations for ad color. They want very specific things from ad color. And last summer, that those expectations and those critiques sort of hit a fever pitch uh, about ad color as a conference, as an award ceremony, as an organization. Um, I, I guess this question is for the both of you because you've been in the trenches together for so long. One, why do you, I, I, 
I'll give the first question to Mark. Why do you think there are so many people who have something to say specifically about ad color and, and it coming from, uh, I don't want to say it's not coming from a place of love, but often it feels very negative. And then the second part of that question is for TRW or <laughs> Tiffany. Um, okay. A lot of it is directed at you when there's there's a board of decision makers, you know, when it comes to nonprofit. Um, yeah. As the president, you are not the sole decision maker. You know, Simeon, with, with success comes challenges and you will, it was stated earlier, you will never please everybody. Find me an organization, find me a company, find me a movement, find me a leader, et cetera, that pleases everybody, all right? Um, we, we fought hard to get a black president in the White House and then half the people hated him. You know, uh, I mean, come on. I mean, this is just part of, this is part of life. It's part of it. You're not going to please everybody. But what I will say uh, to that point is that failure is an orphan, but success has a thousand fathers. And 15 years in the game, the success that we've had, we got a thousand fathers who were putting their hand up, who were not, weren't there in the trenches when we were eating out of brown paper bags. Um, and in many cases, didn't come forward to help when we were you know, scrapping two nickels together, but now see it as their platform to uh, quote unquote say, hey, where's my, how come I, let me put my two cents and you're not hearing what I have to say. Some people have believed, oh, I sent an email 10 years ago and nobody ever responded to me and still hold that grudge, literally. Yeah. March Kishan walked past me in the hallway and I, I, I said hello to him and, and he didn't stop and talk to me 15 years ago. I don't even remember who you are. Matter of fact, I'm sorry, but you know what? Success has a thousand fathers, failure is an orphan. So to that point, Simeon, there's, I, I look at it as these are growing pains. These are just standard operating procedures in business. Like I said, this fabulous show here, there's gonna be, if you got a hundred people listen, 20%, 20 of them gonna go, oh man, that show's BS, blah, 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 blah. Always we know. We know. Always <laughs> naysayers. Yeah. So, so I have a question, do you think people view ad color as a business? I think oftentimes when we talk about black owned or, or yeah. organizations or companies with a black owned face, there is like this communal sense of ownership. And I'm wondering if mm -hmm. that is sort of bleeding into the critiques where it's, yeah. it's, it's not like a Nike where, you know, we're just consumers, but we are black people. This is something that is black started. And so we should have a say in how it is ran and organized um, mm -hmm. across the board. There, there is some of that. Absolutely. Without question. Um, and um, there are people who have uh, the perception that, you know, um, this is a this is a layup. We don't have a we do zero based budgeting year on year out. We don't, we know, we, 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 people just write us checks. We're sitting on a gold mine of money. Uh, we're all rolling in dough here and so on and so forth. No, they don't understand the rigor that it takes to put this on um, and, and the challenges and, um, and just how difficult it is year on, year out, not only to get the curtain up, but to, to move it forward. There, I've, I've heard a comment that this is a front for, you know, general market agencies and that term is terrible. We should never use that term. This is a front for general market agencies to funnel money through and to, you know, prop up their people. No, they don't give us no money. 
If I had to wait, for, if we had to wait for general market agencies to pay the freight, we would have been out of business 15 years ago. Speaker. 15 yeah. years ago, if I had to wait for general market agencies to pay our freight, we'd be out of business. Yeah. Period. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that people don't understand. We're not owned by anybody. This is not an Omnicom owned organization, it's not a publicist owned organization. It's not a Havas owned organization. It's an independent nonprofit organization that's run by now a group of individuals with a board of directors that provide oversight and management, fiscal responsibility, et cetera. And it's there to serve a community, a very diverse community, not just a black community, all right? We were too black first, now, <laughs> now we're too white. Look now at we're too Asian, and you know what I mean? So this is a, the, the, the diversity of thought, let's start there. Then the diversity of ethnicity, cultural empathy, and, and, and across those spectrums. And then there's the diversity of, of the, the standard. We got women, we got LGBT veterans, we got able challenged people, et cetera, et cetera, across the board. How much more can I give you people? And we'll continue to listen as we move forward. But yeah, I think you're right, Simeon. There's a for some, it's a sense of ownership. I should have a say. Somebody said to me the other day. I never got a personal invite. Wow, let's a see. We put, out, have said we, that. We, we put out a notice. We put out a notice, Kai, every year, right? Buy a ticket. A buy a ticket. Book your hotel room. Get your car rental. Whatever it takes you to get there. Get on the road like everybody else. Does the four A send you an invite? When we so hold on, hold on. We're gonna get into that because that's a real <laughs> question I have. But the real, the real question. I want to. Toss it back to you, TRW, because this is just easy. Tiffany Edwards, TRW. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make this happen. Simeon asked a real question. And and it's it, you know, we don't have to talk about your bulletproof vest, but maybe why do you have to wear your face shield when you walk out into the world in terms of ad color? Why why yeah. do you why, why do you feel that you are the target? Last summer was a huge peak and culmination of conversations where, and I'm gonna marry this. Uh, uh, together with other questions you guys saw here, but like folks are saying you yourself are not transparent, that you have built an organization that is exclusive. And so therefore in conversations like this partnership, it's not how dare Droga take this opportunity, how dare Tiffany Edwards not think of a better way to do this, not how dare Mark Shoshana, it's Tiffany R. Warren, you've, you've fucked up again, damn it. Why is it always you? Why do you take the brunt of all of the anger? I love your directness um, so that I can answer it in a very clear way. Um, first and foremost, you know, one of the questions or one of the feedbacks was it's for the haves, right? It's the haves versus the have nots. So let me just be really clear what that means to me. When I started Ad Color, I did not have recognition. I did not have a title. I did not have a, a budget. I did not even have a home for it. I did not have supporters to the extent that I have now. I did not have partners. I did not have a staff. I did not have a team. What I did have, if people talk about it's for the haves, is this ability to talk really directly about what I'd like to see modeled in the industry because I wasn't seeing it. That and it's and it's a it's a core cultural competency of people of color, which is as you rise up, reach back. I knew that if I could drill that in as part of ad colors you know, core values that it would somehow transform the industry. I had big dreams. 
So these haves versus have not, when people become part of ad color, whether it's the advisory board, the futures, there's a process, there's a rigor. Because you know what? That's the case in the world. Process and rigor follows everything we do. And so part of what I'm hearing and I'm trying not to hear it per se is do we back off that process and rigor? And do we create an opportunity? Um, you know, we've always been transparent. We've listed stuff on our website. We've been very clear who our judges are. We, our criteria is just like all of our co- other counterparts, but that communal idea that Simeon is talking about is one that we take really serious. And so if there's feedback to be had and why I usually get, and I don't want to use the term because I don't want to invite that energy into my world. Um, you know, it's, it's a harsh term, the, the B word, and you can determine what that is. Um, or wearing a type of vest. Um, you know, I have a spiritual armor. And so for me, when these moments come, I look at it very clearly as an opportunity to do and be better. I don't look at it as an opportunity of, and I don't, I don't take it personal. I mean, I do have moments where I spiral because I'm human. Um, and when it becomes very personal, um, and as Kiki Palmer said, I don't know these men, I don't know these people, you know, I find that I give people the opportunity to be called in and I'm called everything but my name and it's hurtful. Why? Because I've been successful in maintaining a not-for-profit as well as a career. And in the whole ecosystem of what I maintain is about giving back. I really could just do the career. But for me, it was really important from day one when I first started my career, when I, you know, my first job when I was 14, the sense of service and giving back is deeply ingrained in my family. I don't know any better. So when, when these attacks come, it's because either, you know, people feel like I'm not approachable. I don't know what the word is when I've made myself so available to the industry for 24 years. I have conversations that no one will ever know about in terms of how we move the needle forward. When, when Bozema was attacked, um, you know, when they were called out, I was on the phone with AdAge trying to figure out a solution. These are things that are not in our partnership guide. These are things that that are just done because respect should be put on the name of women of color in this industry. And I have gone to the mat time and time again, not just for women of color, but for LGBTQIA, for men of color, you know, who are misinterpreted in their roles. And people call me and say, hey, can you help me see this differently? These are things that are not part of public discourse because I'm not trying to take anything away from the individuals that I supported. I want I want their success to be complete and on their own. But there are guardian angels in this industry that do things behind the scenes. And, and Kai, I know in your role, you probably have these conversations too. I'm the exit interview after the exit interview. Yep. <laughs> and I trans and I transform that information into powerful next steps so that the next person that has an exit interview doesn't have the same experience as that person. I remember writing very early, um, you know, as a member of the Big Ten on AdAge, I was one of the first group of people to blog about a DEI experience in the industry. No one had ever heard our voice before. It was always about the work. And I'm sitting here saying, I, I interviewed four creative directors of color, and I was one of the first people to actually put words to the pain of these amazing individuals and how they felt in this industry. I've done nothing but give service. Not my whole career. I don't, I am not defending that. I am my receipts. My career speaks for itself. And my, my whole idea, particularly when I'm a black woman and I'm very visible 
is that I have a third job, right? And that is holding space for this idea that my success doesn't matter. I I have dreams and I have hopes and I want to be successful and I have a family that cares about me just like everybody else that I support. So when I started out in the beginning, I was the manager. Everybody was like, Tiff, you're the underdog. Oh, go. And then when I started getting titles, it was like, whoa, wait, what? I just, I, you know, you, you, like Mark said, you can't make anyone happy. And I'm really just, you know, um, freestyling here because to me, you know, I, I honestly sit down and don't know why the attacks come, but I wanted to clarify what have and have not means to me. You know, that comes from a place of lack. Like we all started out being have nots in this industry and then ad color created a platform that allowed people to have visibility. And you know what happens? You get better negotiation power. You get, um, you get opportunities to get a new job. You get certain things that because of that, we know how visibility works in this industry. It is the currency. And so what Ad Color did was we created our own currency and our own visibility on our own platform. And I will work until I retire from whatever industry I end up in <laughs> um, because my, my mission does not, you know, my, my mission is really, it's a big one. But the point I mean is that I will not, I will not stop until our visibility is equal to that of our white counterparts, period. That's real. uh, Tiffany, sorry, sorry, Sam, I'm going to, I'm going to take this one because I do want to drive this to Tiffany Edwards Um, because I I look at you not necessarily um, being on the inside, inside of ad color, but almost kind of like Semini where it's like, you know, you've been to the events, you're a champion of the mission support the mission through the work you do at Droga. Um, I'd love to get from your perspective. So many people have said, like Mark was getting to, I don't know how to get into Ad Color. I've never been personally invited to Ad Color. No, I, I haven't been nominated for, for an Ad Color award. No one's asked me to speak. And yet still, the question always asks, well, how do you get involved in ad color? I want to get involved in ad, ad color. How do I? So, so as a person who's who's not a Tiffany R. Warren or a Mark Strachan and kind of does work within the agency, how do you how do you respond to people who really just need to know, want to know, criticize to know how to get involved in in that, how to get involved in ad color? How do you do that? What do people need to know? So, I think there's two layers to that answer, um, and the first one is. If you're talking about the ad color community, you know, the thousands upon thousands of people that make up the space that support each other and that are easily findable on social media, all you have to do is reach out to one of those people and they will pull you in. But the second, and that is how I started with ad color. Let me clarify. My first interaction with ad color was not at the award show. It was actually at a local event in New York City that was free. And I got to meet, you know, people who have literally over the years changed the shape of my career, who have become friends for life, mentors, sponsors, advocates, bosses all living in that community. And it's a mixed community as we've talked about so many times. But I think the second part of that question comes from a frustration that should actually be leveled at the organizations that they work at and not at ad color, which is that attending the ad color conference itself can be cost prohibitive if you're a you know a mid-level junior level employee trying to fund going on your own and the, you know the beauty for me is when i was at that range level in my career i was at organizations who knew about ad color who supported ad color and who supported and sponsored me being there and that's why i was able to be a part of that unless of course 
you're joining in the futures program, you know, which has limited spots per year, but they, they alone bring 40, you know, young professionals to add color free every year. But separately of that, the conversation is how do you get your organization, general market organizations, if, if that's what we're talking about here, to support ad color and support you being there as a part of your personal and professional development. And I think often people converge those two pieces of the conversation. The community is accessible at any point, any time of the year. It does not have to be when ad color is taking place. Getting to the conference itself, if you can't afford it personally, there are avenues and venues that you can tap into. Like I said, rather it's applying for a program, but ultimately pressure your organization to support, you know, an organization that's that important to you and that you really want to be in the room if you can't afford to be there yourself. And I know I personally can't afford to be there myself, but I am so proud of, you know, organizations like Droga 5 and, you know, when I was at the Ad Club and the One Club who all supported Ad Color as an organization and supported me being there because they knew that it was something that was so personally connective for me. Which and Kai, I want, to tap in, I want to tap into, you know, the breakdown, because I think to your point, you said transparency. So I want to I want to tap into the breakdown of, you know, when people are talking about cost prohibit, it's cost prohibitive. So 90 over 96 percent of the attendees are sponsored by their companies through the partnerships. You know, we have a fire code. We can't have more than 1200 people. And so our our partner companies take up. Probably in some cases, a thousand of those spots, then we have public tickets. I regularly, and if if people are Facebook friends with me, I'm not public. I, I like to keep some things private, but I I give regularly like probably 150 comp tickets away to organizations, to professors, to individuals that send emails through info at adcolor.org. When those comp tickets run out, I politely say, you know, uh, we don't have any more comp tickets. And it's become this like, you know, at least industry joke, like, you know, uh, TIFF should have more comp tickets, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, but at least whatever's available, I try to provide an opportunity for people um, who can't come. And so in terms of how we match up to other industry conferences, we are one third the price in some cases, um, but we still try to maintain a high standard of excellence in terms of the user experience or, you know, when it comes to how people engage with the conference or just the attendee experience, we you know, people eat with their eyes. They want to have a beautiful experience. And so there's always this assumption that if you're an organization of color, there is a bandwidth of what you can present. I wanted to have that, that beautiful experience for our community. And so when I, when I, when you look at the mechanics of like actual breakdown of the attendees, um, it's the, the agencies and the companies, whoever partners at whatever level who determine who comes to the conference. And so it's important to partner with people within, you know, or uh, whether it's the HR, whoever has the relationship within the organization to raise your hand and say, hey, I want to be considered um, as part of this. The other piece of it is, again, if you're a student or if you're someone who's in academia, regularly I give comp tickets. And then the other thing is I host entrepreneurs of color every year to take a peek behind the scenes of Ad Color to learn about production, um, to see how to build their conferences. When COVID happened, Within two weeks, I gathered all the founders of movements, so to speak, in the industry. We got on a Zoom. The one thing we had in common where we were black and we were female. So CultureCon, Curly Girl, Harlem Fashion Row, um, all these amazing culture makers, we all suffered. Some of us lost 85% of our revenue in a week because companies decided I want to keep jobs and not partnerships. And so we all got on a call, you know, we call it the COVID call. We all got a call. We didn't speak for like 10 minutes because I think we were all shell-shocked that the fortunes and the future of our organizations were really perilous. 
But what I, what we did do and what we promised is that we would still try our best to keep our scope of work that we promised to our vendors because we knew they were going to be hurting more than us. And so in terms of the ecosystem of what it means to attend an ad color conference, you know, people readily will put down money for the large industry conferences for whatever reason. Um, we are not trying to be cost prohibitive, but in fact, we still have, there's an ecosystem where we have to actually pay to put on the event. You know, there's just so many mechanics. And so I just wanted to clarify that and let people know that 90% of our attendees are sponsored. No, I think that's important to know. And even transparently, transparently, and I know I've shared this, you know, Simi and I have shared this with you, Tiffany Edwards. Tiff, I know I've shared this with you, Marga. I don't think that I've shared this with you before, but even when we were starting the podcast, and this is at a point in our career careers where we're looking like, yo, what the hell is going on? We need support keep hearing about this ad color thing i don't know how to get involved like and it just seems like all the people that are getting involved they all know each other and so it can look like from the outside that you know it's it's elusive i don't know them so i can't get involved i can't be a member but i think what's important for people to know because that's a realization that we even had to come to it's not a membership like at the end of the day it's a community the community is free LinkedIn is free, right? Facebook is free. Every, everything is free. free. That's why everybody yeah. is talking on these things because they're all free. The community yeah, yeah. is yeah. free. But yeah. but I think people really need to understand this part. And this is this is where I'll go hard. It's not a membership. No. You have to, you I'm not paying for that ticket with the salary I have. And that's a whole other conversation in the industry, right? But mm. if you organization supports you enough to include in your remit that you are to be sent to a conference, do you choose a can over ad color? Do you choose Hmm. advertising week over ad color? Because the opportunity really does lie within who is going to support this investment to go to this conference and this award show that gives you access in one room to people that you only see on the internet or that you only see in the trades and that you only see on panels. And that's something to get past. And I don't, and I I would love Mark, Tiffany Edwards, Tiffany R. Warren, for you guys to also share that like as part of your narrative moving forward, it's not a membership club yeah. because yeah. that is piece people are not getting. And I, and I get clicks and I get circles and people like there's clicks in their circles. Fine. But there's tons of clicks and circles. Like me and me and Sam, we're usually there just sitting on the sidelines, just gossiping between each other and like kicking with each other. Like that doesn't mean that you can't come talk to us. Tiffany Edwards, you're always there to grab a, a drink and to go outside and chit chat. Like once you get there, you do become a part of it. There's one thing uh, to this point of the narrative, um, you mentioned something last year, and I think, you know, the farther away from ad color you are, um, the more elusive it seems, right? And then also, at, when I go onto the website, you know, I go onto the mission page, all the language is very flowery as a copywriter. I'm like, I get it. But you mentioned something last year that I thought was really important. That was an aha moment for me, which was the recognition gap. And I wonder if you can like, I know where we've been talking for a while, but very succinctly 
hit on that because I think when people talk about what ad curlers should be doing and what they want them, what they want you to do, if your mission is very uh, pointed, I think that would help them sort of. What are you trying? What are you trying to? What are you trying to fix? Like yeah, that, I think yeah. that's what is the purpose of ad color? Are you here to change agencies? Yes. Are you trying to make white people less racist? What are you really here to do, y'all? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Kai. Um, so uh, first and foremost, we, we stated pretty clear. Um, you know, on the website, I stated when I started, uh, there was a recognition gap, and obviously, fifteen years later we helped close that recognition gap by partnering with organizations to bring attention to a particular area of the industry that may or may not um, have had the ability to make those in that particular area of the industry visible. So one of our first partnerships was with the One Club, right? When we partnered with the One Club, there was no where are, the, where are all the black people. There was no um, any of the things that they're doing now, which are incredible. Um, and congratulations to them launching the One School. That is a brilliant idea. Um, and we are completely supportive of that and welcome them on our platform anytime. But it was revolutionary for us to partner with another organization to kind of combine our superpowers to bring even more visibility to a particular area of the industry that did not have a spotlight. And everyone knows even five short years ago, the conversation about visibility of creatives of color was still very immature and very basic. And, and we kind of scratched the surface and we said, listen, we will honor, um, we're gonna honor our giants and we're gonna honor the young guns and we're gonna give them an ad color award. And we know that one of the pieces of currency is a pencil. And the one club said, done, right? So now they're in a place where they're honoring um, diverse creatives and they're creating their ecosystem. The question is, then do we look at the partnership and say, we've achieved our mission. There's now not a recognition gap, hopefully, for creatives of color in the industry. There's a portfolio school that generates um, the future of the business. And so we keep doing these things where we partner and we bring attention or we shine a light in one area. And then eventually, you know, that, that particular, you know, focus then becomes, can we back off? And so when I talk about the recognition gap, when I mean it, I would go to award shows. I feel like I sound like a broken record. I'm going to try to say this like I said it the first time that I said it um, in 2005, that when we walked into rooms, and I remember very specifically going to a conference, and Lincoln Stevens will back me up, of Marcus Grand Project, we, were, we literally could sit at one table. That's how many people of color were in the room. And we all knew each other. There were like five of us um, that got invited into those rooms. And we, were, we got invited continuously. And I sat there going, first of all, there's more of us. Second of all, I wanna have 20 of these moments because in that particular moment, someone was honored. It actually happened to be Jeffrey Edwards. He won the gold Addy, which is the, like the top award um, for his Sony Xbox work. And I was so emotional. And that day is decided, why do I have to wait to go here to have that moment? Why can't I create that moment over here? You think about like what the NAACP Image Awards are to the Golden Globes and to the Oscars. You think about how these particular events were created because you know we weren't given the main stage and our talent wasn't looked at the same way. But then at some point you evolve. And so we're constantly looking at our mission to say, where is there a lack of recognition and where's the gap? And actually a couple of years ago, 
where there was a lack of recognition is allyship. What can we do to model behavior so that, you know, we're not just speaking to the choir. And that's when we came up with the advocacy platform. We're like, okay, we got to be the first, you know, we were the first trade, uh, trade association um, and conference to start ERGs within the conference. Nobody was doing it. And now that's par for the course. I remember very specifically, and Mark can talk about it, the Asians for Ad Color Dinner that we launched a couple of years ago. It was a beautiful night because even within a community of color, there's still people who feel marginalized. And we always are constantly evolving and recognizing that. We were one of the first award shows to recognize LGBTQIA. One of our first honorees was Janet Mock, who's gone on to do incredible things in Hollywood. But I remember her winning was a signal that Ad Color wants to bring everyone into the tent. So the recognition gap is that as we evolve and we keep inviting people and we keep spotlighting, you know, we also ask our fellow, you know, organizations and award shows to do the same. And we'll just keep the pressure on by modeling the behavior that we want to see. So, you know, that's why for us, the recognition gap is still very present. Even if we look at, you know, the Golden Globes and things of that nature, they're trying to really move forward. There's still a recognition, a recognition gap that we know exists and that only we can, can, can shine the light on. Um, and so that's what we're going to continue to do. That's that's the core. That's the very core of the organization. That's why it was founded. That's why it was started. That was Tiffany's first dream. If you remember, it was called the Ad Color Awards. And it was about recognition. Right. Yeah. It morphed into a conference because we also realized that there was no place, there was no platform to have the tough conversations, um, the provocative conversations. So we went from an award show to a conference and award show. As a matter of fact, the award show is almost secondary to the conference because the conference provides the platform for people to have what can be some very, very difficult and tough conversations, not only on the main stages, but on those side those sidebar conversations where people have. And it also exposes a lot of those sponsors to those conversations that they had no clue were going on. They think everything was hunky-dory. Oh, you got a job. Oh, you must be all right. You're a creative person to advertise. You're a account manager. You must be okay. They didn't understand the pain that people were going through. They didn't understand the health and wellness challenges that we had. They didn't understand the marginalizations that we feel. They didn't understand that even though you might be EVP, chief, blah, 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 that you could walk in the room and somebody might still call you the N-word in a major company in 2010 in 2015, in 2020. So, you know, we provided that kind of provocative pointy stick and 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 yet we still don't get the recognition. People want us to be, I don't know, do they want us to be H. Rap Brown? Mm. Um, do they want us to be more Malcolm X, Mal Marcus Garvey? I, I, I don't know, but I tell you one thing, what, we, what, we will, what we will attempt to do is continually provide the platform to recognize people's and people's talent, contributions, sacrifices, mm -hmm. and we will continue to be people who raise the tough conversations when nobody else wants to have them. I think it's interesting you bring up Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, because for the the duration that we've done this show, um, we have been uh, aligned with uh, radical thinking and radical mouths. Quite frankly, we. We say all the things that you shouldn't say in front of your mom, your mother, or mixed company, mm -hmm. um, and even and and for us, that's a that's a compliment for us, right? We needed a space where we could actually just be ourselves and be transparent. 
But one of the comments that came to us as a surprise over the weekend was that Tiffany Edwards and Tiffany R. Warren, by having you both on this show, um, that would be a mistake because we're biased. And I, and, and I want to speak to that because I want everybody to know um, I'm not a punk. You can't just you can't just say whatever about us. I think if there's anything that we've done on this show, we've brought everybody to the table who who wanted to be welcome to the table to say their piece and 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 have conversation. And so with that, we are open to having everybody join us. If there's something going on in the industry that needs discussion, we want to have it and we prefer to have it in front of people's faces with them in dialogue. For you all, Tiffany Edwards, Tiffany R. Warren, Mark Strachan, why was it important for you all to come here? Because for us, we're just a little mixed company, right? We're here, we're pains in everybody's, everybody's asses, but this is a big conversation. So why, why was it important for you to bring yourselves to, to our table to have this conversation that some may consider a mistake. Anybody who's feeling their ancestors can answer that. <laughs> I mean, I'll jump in and say, you know, for me, it's exactly what you just said. You guys have been that space of calling the community and calling people to the table when these moments happen in a way where there isn't conversation, there's more conjecture, there's online, you know, speculation, there's a lot of kind of siloed conversations, but not people coming to the table and, and speaking their truth. I liken you guys to what Red Table did for Jordan Woods when everybody was <laughs> talking a lot of stuff on the side, but no one actually asked her directly what's going on. How did this happen? And so, you know, I appreciate that you guys bring anyone and everyone to the table, whether you know them or not, and that you ask them fair and balanced questions. You didn't pull any questions today for us, um, but you did provide the space for there to be a conversation. And I think, especially in our community, you know, the more we can connect and have these discussions, I'd rather us do it on this platform and with each other than, you know, maybe spending time and energy going out to broader platforms and spreading a conversation that actually, um, you know, is dividing and maybe even confusing some people versus let's just put it on the table and talk about it. So that's why I'm here today. My sisters, my sisters, my sisters. I love these ladies. Um, Simeon, you and I have yet to have a chance to really connect and break bread. But Kai, thank you so much for what you do. And Simeon, you and I, as 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 men of color, uh, are going to find the time to uh, to share some some moments because I know there's there's some shared experiences here. I have seen virtually all of it. There is not a whole lot of scripts that are new to me. There's not a whole lot of movies in this in this platform that I haven't seen. And what I respect about having this conversation in this platform is twofold. One, you weren't going to hold back and you were going to challenge us to be open, to be honest, to be painfully honest, whether we wanted to or not. Um, and you were going to do it in a way, shape or form that I think the community at large could respect. They might challenge, they may have issues, good, bad or different, but could respect. Um, I'm from old school Bushwick, Brooklyn. Not the gentrified Bushwick, Brooklyn that people walk around today. It looks different now. It looks very different now, all right? And someone um, said to me over the weekend, oh, you sound corny. You sound defensive. And my response to them was, I got you corny. So people want to step, let them step. This is the platform to step. We chose where we would step to. And I thank you guys for allowing us to have this moment, but more importantly, for challenging us. And you know what? I'm going to say it so that everybody understands it. I respect, and I'm actually 
welcome their challenges as to the what, the whys. They wanted questions, they wanted answers to questions they had. There was something that came up, it wasn't clear, and we owed them that response. My challenge, my issue was with the how. Don't burn down the house. Don't burn down the house to promote your own agenda. So that said, this is why we're here. This is why I'm here. I respect you. I respect Simeon for what you've done. You play it real. It is what it is. That part. Um, you know, it's, it's, I want to speak to each of you individually, but I, I can't add anything that both Tiff and, and Mark said because I echo exactly what they, they said. You know, we don't have a lot of interactions, um, but, you know, the, when I listen to Mixed Company, you know, it's such a connection to what is going on because sometimes as you move further and further, you know, up um, or you get promoted or you're put into different rooms, you still have to have a connection to what's going on. And so you guys have always created a platform where um, it's just very direct. It's like the way that people feel that they can deliver their truth. Um, you know, Simon, you probably don't know this. I, I don't know if I've had a chance to tell you, um, but I feel moved to tell you. Um, you stood up in a room a very, very, very long time ago. Um, I was a baby CDO. I probably was like two years into the job. And there was only three of us in the entire industry. And I think we were all in that room. And you called us out. Um, you called us out. And I left that day because of the way that you called us out, making a pledge to do and be better. You didn't talk to me directly. You just spoke your truth in a, in a room full of people. And I don't even know if you if you knew who was in there. So, you know, I kind of made up like folklore of like, you didn't know who was in there, you know, and maybe you did. Um, but you stood up um, and... I mean, just the energy of what you delivered in terms of your message, you know, so many of us heard that day. And so I fast forward to now, you know, I definitely know that, you know, we have work to do um, to make sure that we bring everyone in. Um, and we as an organization have evolved and the way that we have evolved is with platforms like this and moments like this and feedback um, and strategy. So you move from the feedback, you move from the critique and then you go right into strategy. And that's what we're gonna do. Um, and we heard you. And you know, my thought process is, you know, the way forward is actually brighter because this whole moment has made, and I'll speak for me personally, stronger as well as this organization. Um, you know, the way that we all came together in the last, you know, four days, I will never forget. And it reminded us why we have communities like this. Because regardless of where the feedback comes from, you know, we got us. And we got us and us is bigger than our advisory board is our bigger than our board of directors. Um, it's bigger in a lot of cases than our mission. So, you know, I appreciate uh, you guys for providing the platform um, and, and you will continue to do so. Most definitely. There's, there's one thing I would say before we close out uh, and Mark kind of hit on this a little bit where I think one of the reasons why I felt compelled to got to have all of you on, even though there were some ruffles, is I really think that a lot of people think that when when a black person or a person of color gets a chief in front of their name, that they become gods and they can snap their fingers <laughs> and make everything change. And 
I really think it's important that people remember that the same thing that we experience on a junior level, on a mid-level, on a, on a manager level, uh, is what people feel at the top. So if you feel like you're alone um, as a mm. manager at the Whoa. table or one of two, then that is what somebody like you feels. And so to the, to the point of, of us coming together, I think that the critiques are valid. Um, but there is a way to use those critiques to galvanize uh, the power that TRW has or the power that Tiffany uh, Edwards has to actually do some real shit. Um, yeah. And on that note, oh. thank you. <laughs> Sammy, can I just say one more thing before you that note us out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think no matter, you know, and I won't ramble too much longer. I know we've been talking a while, but I think a lot of people forget that no matter the title, diversity work is insanely personal work. It's not just a job for me, and I'm, I can speak. For, I'm, I can speak for Tiff Warren as well, and for Mark. This is personal to us. This is our passion. This is our heart. And so, you know, along the way, there are going to be learning moments, but we're willing to step up to the table and have these conversations because it's something that we are so invested in and will continue to be invested in for years to come. And, you know, for even this situation, this could have easily been Tiffany and I letting our PR teams put out a beautifully written press release that, you know, kind of explains the whole thing and walked away from it. But that wouldn't resolve the conversation in the community or address the conversation in the community. And that's what drives us. And so I know that's why I'm here today. I know that's why Tiff and Mark are here today and we'll continue to evolve and grow together. But this is personal passion for me. And this is why I continue to do this work. Even though every three steps forward we take, we'll take two back. We're going to keep pushing forward because even this moment is a growth moment. This is the conversation that Ad Color is having about hiring, you know, an agency like Droga5 to do their work, where to Tiff's point, maybe 10, 15 years ago, who knows if Droga5 and Ad Color would even be talking or, you know, working together. And so all of this just ties back to our passion and, and the reason I show up for work every day. So I, I count it as progress and I'm excited to keep going. A hundred percent. And I, I thank you all for joining us. Um, the thing that, you know, the thing that I say internally in my day job and that I try to say uh, externally when I speak to everyone is even when people are criticizing and complaining or have negative things to say, even in the negativity, there can be feedback. And I think mm -hmm. if there's anything to take from the conversations Absolutely. that are happening is that people are still hurting and people need different things, perhaps different things that then then you know we may have thought were needed 15 years ago 10 years ago five years ago and so even even within the pain in these conversations and the lash and the backlash and all of that i really do hope and and i i almost feel like i i expect knowing you all individually i do expect to see some of this feedback incorporated in future years and and in the innovation and in the growth and the only thing i can do is put the cosign that like i feel y'all are heard like everybody listening you've been heard people Absolutely. some people have been hurt by what you said but they heard you too and so i think accountability accountability should go to everybody and so if you said something that you wanted to see tiffany has already said if you want to have both tiffany's have already said if you want to have a conversation with them you can step to them mark has already said catch him outside in bushwick if that's what you need to do <laughs> happy to have a conversation anybody that has something to say about mixed company you already know you can pull up like literally you know you can pull up to me like that is just a thing thing let's be clear but also it's about innovation it's about change it's about making sure that we have spaces for each other and so if you don't see any changes next year that's something to bring up again but also thank you mark 
Tiffany R. Warren, Tiffany Edwards for sitting down with us and having these conversations and answering these questions because the extent of my career in this business, these are things people have always asked that I, I'm happy to say now, if you wanna get the answers, just listen to this episode. Um, and so with that, for those of you that have organizations or sponsoring power, make sure you guys do sponsor Ad Color 2021 uh, as this is their 15 year uh, um, anniversary. Um, and also I challenge people to sponsor in elevated capacities so that more of your people can attend and take part of the community. Um, for those of you that want to listen to more Mixed Company, you are welcome to do so. We encourage you to do so. You can even throw us some dollars for some pre-roll and some sponsorship. We love that too. Uh, and you can find us on all the social media channels at Ask Mixed Company and also uh, on our website at mixedcompanypodcast.com. Listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts and keep us posted if y'all got anything else to say. We're here to talk about it and we're here to make change. Um, peace out. Thank you, guys.